gonna try something new if you don't mind. As you can see, I have my iPad up here. Uh, I saw my brother Thurman do this uh, about a month ago and he told me, he says, hey, it's cool. So I'm gonna try to get modern and, and try to do the same thing as him, but that's not the real reason. The real reason is, is I'm not old yet, but I'm getting a little older. So my eyesight is not as good as it used to be. Anybody struggle with that a little bit? So it helps me see what I, what I need to see a little bit better. So we'll go with that. Well, this morning, I'm going to be te- uh, preaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 18. And this is going to be verses 21 through 35. If you want to open up your Bibles there and have it ready. But also, we will have it up on the screen as well. And this is the, the parable of the unforgiving servant. And we're going to talk about the effects of unforgiveness, okay? Well, I'm going to start off with a little story this morning. How many of you guys like stories? I do. I like a story. So this is one of my favorite stories, which concerns a man who was bitten by a dog, which was later to discover to have rabies. This man was rushed to the hospital where tests revealed that he had, in fact, contracted rabies. Now, this was many, many years ago. And at this time, medical science had no solution for this problem. And his doctor faced the difficult task of informing him that his conditions were incurable, incurable and terminal. Sir, said the doctor, we will do all we can to make you comfortable, but I cannot give you false hope. There's nothing we can really do. My best advice is that you put your affairs in order as soon as possible. The, di- the dying man sank back in his bed in shock, as all of us would. But he finally rallied enough strength and asked for some pen and some paper. He then set to work with great energy. And an hour later, when the doctor returned, the man was still writing. And the doctor told him, said, I'm glad to see that you're working on your will. This ain't no will, said the doctor. This is the list of people that I'm going to bite before I die. (laughs) Now, this is pretty sad, right? But many of us live and die with this kind of list. Maybe not written down on a piece of paper, but maybe in our minds. So we're going to be talking about the effects of uh, unforgiveness today. I'm going to read um, from Ephesians 4.32 to start off with. And it says this. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And the title of my message this morning is Letting Go of the Rope. Let's all bow our heads. Dear precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I do thank you for all that you do and provide. Thank you, Lord, for your love, your mercy, and your saving grace. And we thank you, Lord, for this parable, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you'll touch me, Lord, as I can get the message that you have in my heart across this morning, Lord. Lord, that the effects of unforgiving in our hearts, Lord, what it does to our lives. We thank you, Lord, that we can always turn to you, and we thank you for your, all that you do, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, it's easy to proclaim the virtues of forgiveness, but the reality is another matter. C.S. Lewis put it so well. He said this, forgiveness is a beautiful word until you have something to forgive. But why is forgiveness so hard? First, forgiveness is difficult because it is not natural. The natural impulse is to get even, to get revenge, right? Forgiveness goes against the grain of human existence. Secondly, forgiveness is hard 
because it's simply not fair. To forgive without just repayment offends our sense of justice. We want to be vindicated, right? Today we're going to talk about the Apostle Peter as he struggled with the issue of forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus had been dealing with the subject of a brother who has sinned. And as Peter listens to the Lord, Lord teach, he fastens to this one aspect. What does it mean about how much I must forgive someone who has wronged me? Peter directs his question to the, to the Lord in verse 21. And he asked him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? You see, Peter makes two mistakes that is apparent to us right here if we look closely. First, he assumes that his brother will sin against him and not he against his brother. And secondly, Peter wanted to get some kind of limit on forgiveness. Peter is so us, isn't he? We're so much like Peter. In all fairness to Peter, he was generous in his limit. He asked for forgiving seven times would be sufficient, right? The rabbis of the time taught that one must forgive three times. And this is drawn from a misunderstanding of the book of Amos, which says that God would revoke punishment against them for three transgressions, but not four. Kind of funny, right? Thus, they taught that God himself never forgave more than three times. I'm glad that's not true. To Peter's credit, he is more than doubling what the rabbis taught in the day. So I believe that Jesus stuns Peter with his reply in verse 22. I don't say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. The term 70 times seven is literally 77. It's a little ambiguous because it can mean either 70 plus 7 or 70 times 7. I don't know what kind of math they did back then. It might be like this new math that they teach the kids nowadays. But the meaning is the same. It is a call for unlimited forgiveness. By the time you've forgiven someone that many times, you're in the habit of forgiving, and there will be no need to set limits. That is the point. In answering Peter's question, Jesus told a story that has become known as the parable of the unforgiving servant. In this story, Jesus deals with man's two greatest needs with regards to forgiveness. In the first part, he deals with those who need forgiveness. And in the second part, he targets those of us who need to forgive others. That pretty much wraps up everybody, right? Everybody's involved here. But before we examine the parable, we need to remember three things about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not the same as forgetting. We may or may not forget, but forgiving can be sincere even when you remember. God is the only one who can forgive and forget. We cannot. Forgiveness is not justifying, excusing, or understanding why the person acted towards you the way he or she did. Thirdly, forgiveness is an emotional response to the offender. A pardon deals with the consequence of the offense. Unless we have authority, we may not be able to pardon the offense. But we can always, always forgive, can we not? So here we go. We're going to dive into this parable. We're going to break it into two parts. 
And this first part is man's first great need is receiving forgiveness. Are you ready? We're going to start with verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife, his children, and all that he had, and the payment be made. Debt can do a lot to you and your family. We'll move on then. Verse 26. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. So what did we just read? First, let's talk about the debt. Here is a man that owes an enormous amount of debt. A talent was the weight of money equal to 6,000, I guess you pronounce it as denarii. I don't know. I'm preaching, so that's what I'm going to say this morning. <laughs> so one talent was the equivalent. Uh, uh, so one, uh, the denarii back then is, is about 6,000. Does that make any sense to any of us here? No. That has no sense. But listen to this. One talent was the equivalent of 20 years wages. One. Figured out a wage of 20,000 per year. In one estimation, that would be about $2 billion. The point was that the debt was inconceivable. There's no way this man could pay this debt back. And Jesus made this point for a reason. There's no possible way that he could ever repay it. And confronted by the consequences of his actions, he pleads for what? More time, right? A careful reading of verse 26 reveals that the man still did not get it. He still was not willing to say that he'd done anything wrong. All he wanted was is more time. And the master is probably saying, more time? Man, you got to quit digging your hole and get out. But let's look at verse 27. And it reveals that it is the character of the master not the character of the servant that produces the release from the debt. The master made a decision based on compassion. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion. He released him and forgave him the debt. The master forgave his servant out of compassion for him and his family. If we're going to learn from this parable, we need to put ourselves in this parable. We must see that the sum of our offenses against God through the years constitutes this kind of debt. An absolutely impossible amount. Our rebellions, our selfish acts, our thoughts, our willful choices, our lovelessness towards one another, and the hurt that we have caused others. Our pride, our anger, our lust, our bitterness, our hates, our lies— all these add up through the years to a staggering debt that we owe God and we cannot pay. But hold on. But then there's the good news. The wonderful good news of the gospel that, when, that we can be forgiven through the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Now, I suspect there are some of us, including myself this morning, that we have done something to someone and that we have never asked for forgiveness. Well, according to Matthew 5, 24, it says this. If your brother has something against you, go and be reconciled to your brother. In other words, get it settled and soon. So we just talked about man's first great need is what? 
is receiving forgiveness. Now we're going to move to the second part of this parable, and it gets a little tougher here. You see, man's second great need with regard to forgiveness is to extend forgiveness. The story doesn't stop. It keeps going. So we're going to pick up with verse 28. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him, and he took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down at his feet, and he begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? But he would not. But he went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were grieved, and they came and told their master all that had been done. Then the master, after he had called him, said to him, this is Jesus' words, you wicked servant, I forgave all the debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant? Just as I had pity on you, and the master was angry, and he delivered him to the, look at this word, torturers, until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will to you, each of you from his heart, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. In studying this, I probably have heard this parable hundreds of times, right? I never realized that the word torturers was in here. And Jesus was speaking these words, but this is what he meant from that. We'll go figure that out in a little bit. Now, you would have expected the man who was forgiven so much to go out and joyfully share his experience with others, right? When you have something great with you, we like to share that with others, do we not? We like to spread the joy. We don't want to tell everybody. But this guy did not, right? Instead, he arrested a man who owed him a much smaller amount. It is still a significant amount. It was about four months' wages. But it pales into comparison to what he has been forgiven. And he still threw him into prison. There was something obvious wrong with this man's heart. And that is the major emphasis of this story. Although he had the legal right to demand payment, he certainly did not have the moral right, did he? It is impossible impossible to receive forgiveness gratefully from one end and refuse it vengefully to another. The, consequence, the consequences of failure to forgive had this servant thrown into prison. He avoided the first time, but not the second time. They threw him into prison along with his family, and all of them will suffer. Do you hear what he's, Jesus is saying? Not only you, but that would be passed on, could be possibly passed down to your family if we don't forgive. Now, is the Lord suggesting that the God the Father will employ torturers to each of us as a lesson on forgiveness? That those who fail to forgive will be eternally punished? No. The point being made here, it deals with the present and not the future consequences of unforgiveness. 
to use the Lord's word to accept God's forgiveness and then refuse to forgive another is just not unfortunate, but it is, as Jesus would say, it is wicked. It is wicked. Let me say this as strongly as I know how. What happened to this man will happen to each of us unless we learn to forgive. The torturers will come and take us away if we do not extend forgiveness to those who have wronged us. The world's worst prisons, like the old ones like Alcatraz or Devil's Islands, they're not the worst because those places can only confine our bodies. The prison that Jesus is describing shackles our souls. And the saddest part is that we put ourselves in this prison. What is the most horrible of prisons? It is the prison of an unforgiving spirit. The alternative to forgiveness is in the end a ceaseless process, listen to this, of hurt, bitterness, anger, resentment, and self-destruction. We, we've probably known and seen people that have done this in their lives. You know who they are. Ray Steadman, he's a pastor from many years ago, tells a powerful illustration of the effects of bitterness. He said he had a striking illustration that occurred a number of years ago. A woman in her 80s told him that 50 years before, her aunt had said something insulting to her, and this woman had never forgiven her. Fifty years later, she could reaccount the events to the precise details, and she had felt all the same bitterness, anger, resentment welling up within her as it when it really occurred. It was no wonder to me, said Ray, that by this time she had become a bitter, quarrelsome, unhappy woman who could find no happiness in life whatsoever. She was still in the hands of the torturer 50 years later because she would not forgive. Corey Ten Boone likened forgiveness to letting go of a bell rope. This is where I get my title from. If you've ever seen a country church with a bell in the steeple, you will remember, or I have been told, because I've never had to do this, to get the bell ringing, you have to tug the rope for a while. Once it's begin to ring, you merely need to maintain the momentum. And as long as you keep pulling, the rope, the bell keeps ringing, right? Well, Miss Tin Boone said forgiveness is letting go of the rope. It is just that simple. But when you do so, the bell keeps ringing, right? Momentum is at work. However, if you keep your hands off the rope, the bell will begin to slow and eventually stop. But you can't keep pulling it. you got to let it go. And it's like that with forgiveness. When you decide to forgive, the old feelings of unforgiveness may continue to assert themselves. After all, they have lots of momentum, do they not? But if you affirm your decision to forgive, that unforgiving spirit will begin to slow 
and eventually be still. Forgiveness is not something you feel. It is something you do. Do you hear me? It is letting go of the rope and never pulling it again. Will you stand to your feet? If the praise team can come get in place. Almost always when we think about forgiveness, the Holy Spirit flashes names and faces across our minds. People who either need to ask forgiveness from or extend forgiveness to. We're going to do altar a little different today. I'd ask everyone to go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. I have a few questions and praise team, same thing with you. Because everybody needs this opportunity. And I'm going to ask you a few questions. And if you would like me to pray with you about these matters as I ask them, then just raise your hands. But listen to these questions. No one's looking around. This is between you and God. Do you need to ask for forgiveness from someone? Can you think of a person right now that you have wronged and you have not yet owned up to it? Are you ready to make that decision today? Then raise your hand. Raise your hand. Praise God. God sees those hands. Praise God. Do you need to extend forgiveness to someone who has wronged you? Is there someone who has wronged you and you've never been able to let it go? Are you ready to forgive the debt today? Then let go of the rope and raise your hand this morning and give it to God and allow that peace to come inside. But you got to do your part first. You got to let God have it right now. Let the rope go. Don't hold on to it. Let go of the bitterness. That feeling inside that, that takes you, the feeling down in your gut that's always there. Let God have it and just let it go and give it to Him this morning. Quit holding on to that. It only hurts you. Jesus told this parable because he loves Jesus and he also loves you. He knows what happens to us when we don't let it go. So give it to God this morning. And I got one more set of questions. Do you need to admit you're a sinner this morning and ask for forgiveness of God the Father? If you've never done so, now is the time. He stands ready to forgive if all you would do is just ask him. If you need forgiveness this morning, just raise your hand and give it to God. Give it to God this morning. Praise God. God sees those hands. And he's ready to forgive. He wants the beginning, the healing process. He wants those ringing of the bells of bitterness inside of us to go away. But you got to let go of the rope this morning. And as the praise team starts to sing, let's begin to pray. And if you need to come to this altar, I will pray with you this morning. Just step out and just come to this altar or you can pray right where you are.